you're listening to a Trav Market Media Network podcast. This is a pretty good choice if you ask me. Find more podcasts at travmarketmedia.com. Hi, it's Megan, host of Travel Radio Podcast, a proud member of the Trav Market Media Podcast Network. Would you take a moment now to like, subscribe, and review the podcast? You can also reach me at info at travelradiopodcast.com, or you could reach the network at travmarketmedia.com. Travel professional or aspiring professional traveler. I'm so thankful you tuned in. Now, let's dig into where our ears will travel today. Hello and welcome to Travel Radio Podcast. I am your host, Megan Chapa, and today is another video edition of Travel Radio Podcast. So if you're listening and you want to click into the show notes, there will be a link there where you can watch this on YouTube. And today is another part of our Culture Vulture Deep Dive into Mexico uh, series that will is making an attempt to get people off of the resort properties and deeper into Mexico to explore the cultural richness, the people, the heritage, all the things that make our southernmost neighbor wonderful. And to help me with that, I have a brand new guest today. Welcome to the podcast, Brandon Berkson. Brandon, would you take a minute to introduce yourself? Absolutely. First off, Megan, thank you so much for having me. I love the podcast and I am obsessed with Mexico. So this is perfect. (laughs) Uh, My favorite place in the world. So Yeah, my name is Brandon Bergson. I am a travel and hotel enthusiast, just like everyone who is listening here, just like you. Mm -hmm. Um, Time between New York City and San Diego, where I grew up. Um, And I'm the founder of Hotels Above Par. And what I describe Hotels Above Par as is an expert curated guide with under two minute articles for the hit traveler who is short on time. So what's that mean? We're known for our around 300 word articles, which are in their entirety, posted as an Instagram caption on our website and newsletter. And, you know, thus far, we've had a great range of travel journalists write for us, including Catherine Parker Magyar and Katie Spratt-Joyce, who I know appeared on this podcast. Love them. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so uh, that's that's pretty much the gist of my background and how it relates to Hotels Above Par and a bit of a brief on the company. Yeah, and uh, the website is simply Hotels Above Par. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see it. If not, you can just um, click through. It's also the show notes. But it it is a website that's going to make you want to travel. The pictures are gorgeous, and it's, it, it's just the perfect snippet and amount of information to get you, like, dreaming of your next destination. But before we get into where we're going to speak about today, and I'll let you introduce that in a minute... Can you give us some information of how you got into this? What is your background in the hotel and tourism industry? Because on this podcast, I'd like to have credentialed guests in some capacity. They may not be, you know, directly working in, you know, tourism. They might be a historian, archaeologist, author. But um, on this podcast, the hopes is that it's going to be a resource. And so if you would give us your background, I'd love to share your credentials with people. Absolutely. And thank you so much for the kind words about the site. I'm so happy to have you as a reader. So I've always wanted to work with travel and hotels. Since I was a kid, I've always loved them. Some boys wanted to play sports. I was more interested in researching hotels on the internet. Um, And, you know, I also forced my brother to play hotel with me way more than he would have liked. it was hoping that we would play baseball or something, but little did he know that we were only going to play hotel that day. Um, and he's I was thankful now, right? 
and he's thankful, yes. So now he gets free hotels days if we go somewhere, you know, in exchange for coverage for hotels above par. So he's really he's really fortunate about that, that, you know, nobody went to that. Nobody took that. I didn't take the baseball or football route because now it's benefiting him. Um, so my first job in tourism was in or with hotels was in San Francisco, where I worked as a bellboy and front desk associate at a boutique property, which I asked loved this was my first foray into really the hotel world i i had a uniform and everything and oh, yeah. i on how i stared the cart when i was bringing people's baggage up when at the front desk i had my routine i absolutely loved it and i'm i'm a people person i, I love meeting new people and my love language is giving people recommendations um in different cities that I, that i love places that i love so i was able to do that there and it was just it was such a it was such an amazing experience uh following that i you know did schooling in paris and i uh, worked at an agency there i then uh, moved to london where i was working at a hospitality pr firm and following that um my most recent uh position position was at a PR agent, a travel PR firm, which in uh, in New York and London, I was at their New York office, and we worked with a range of hotels. Uh, it was an amazing job. I worked with Nobu Hotels and Waldorf Astoria, so that was a nice uh, delve into the hotel world as well. So I had um, a bunch of years, you know, accredited in the hotel industry, um, and it's great to be able to work with my passion. And obviously, April 2020, the pandemic came. March 2020, the pandemic came and I was furloughed just like so many people. I mean, obviously, as you know, the travel industry was in shambles and still is recovering from being in shambles. So it, I was devastated when it happened, not only for my job because I loved my job so much, but also because this industry that I love so much, hotels and travel and hospitality was floundering and it looked like there was no light at the end of the tunnel. So with this floundering, you know, I knew I wanted to support hotels during a time when they needed love most. And that's when I came up with the idea for Hotels Above Par. And I wanted them to feel relevant. I wanted them to feel talked about. And so what started as just highlighting hotels on Instagram uh, turned into what it is today, that uh, around 300 word article or around 300 word article format where we have journalists come write for us, who curate guides. Um, I've done an IG live series. It actually also led to um, my own travel segment in Spanish. So after hotels, language is my number one passion. So I was able to do a, ho um, a hotels above par travel segment in Spanish on one of Mexico's leading radio networks. So I'm so fortunate for cool. all the and how it's grown today. We just had our first birthday. Um, we have over 63,000 Instagram followers, over 17,000 in newsletter subscribers, and over 22,000 awesome. monthly unique visitors. So it's been amazing. I, I absolutely love it. And yeah, so now I'm doing it full time, which is great. Well, congrats to you. Those are some important milestones. Oh! We have <laughs> That's awesome. And I think on Instagram, you have something like 60,000 followers. That's great. And they're engaged followers. I mean, it doesn't seem like you're, you know, a bot, like a bot buyer or something. That's, there's something good happening here. You have like a real corner on something important. So, you know, congratulations. That's awesome.
Thank you so much. I'm so grateful about it. And it's, it's honestly, it's, it's an amazing thing for me to be able to share my passion with people every day through Hotels Above Par. Yeah. Now, one place that we're going to speak on today, and I'll let you introduce it. Um, well, let's, I'll just let you introduce it. Where are we going today? Yeah, so we are going to Valle de Guadalupe um, in the Mexican state of Baja, California today. So I, you know, I must say, I consider myself well-versed on this area, not only because I grew up 25 minutes from the border, it's about an hour and a half drive, but under two hours from San Diego to Valle de Guadalupe, but I grew up from next to the Tijuana border, 25 minutes away. So um, I've gone to Baja, California numerous, numerous times, um, and for the second half of 2020, like I said, I had that radio segment, which um, was in Tijuana um, and casted on ba in Baja, California and San Diego. So I talked about travel within the region a lot there. Um, so yeah, Valle de Guadalupe is this amazing wine region that a lot of people call Mexico's Napa Valley. And I think that people, you know, when we're in San Diego, being in San Diego and LA, I think a lot of people, when they, if they want to go do a local wine country trip, they go to Santa Ynez Valley, which is, you know, near Santa Barbara, which is absolutely really beautiful, or they go to Temecula. And Valle de Guadalupe is, is so much more than both of those, in my opinion. I mean, I, like I said, I'm a sucker for Mexico, but um, they have the, a bevy of amazing design forward hotels. They have incredible wineries. The architecture is phenomenal. The food, in my opinion, the food on that side of the border, like in Valle de Guadalupe, Tijuana, like Rosarito, it is better than on the side of the border. It's the best food I've ever had. And Valle de Guadalupe is so known for that. It's a, it's really arid. Um, mm -hmm. So it, it's a lot of the time it escapes that coastal fog that you'll get if you're in Rosarito, which is one of the beach towns or like mm -hmm. San Diego. So you're, you're guaranteed to probably have a sunny day there, which is very nice. That is very nice. So I know that you, you know, specialize in these 300 word snippets. Can you give us a 300 word snippet on your favorite experience there? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I would say I have had so many amazing experiences there, but I think I'll go with a funny story today. Um, I recently went to Valle de Guadalupe and I had a really funny thing happen. So I took um, my, one of my best friends is here and I took her to Valle de Guadalupe and we went to a restaurant called Bruma Wine Garden. And Bruma Wine Garden is absolutely stunning. It's these wooden rustic tables under these grand eucalyptus trees right next to a, wind, uh, a winery. Everything is outdoors. Um, and they have, they actually have a croque madame, which is probably the best. And having lived in France, I feel like I can, I, I have a gauge on the croque madames. Like this croque madame was the best croque madame I've ever had in my life. I don't know uh, what a croque madame is. So <laughs> it's, it's like, it's like bread and then they have like cheese and ham. Um, and it's kind of, it's in a way like a panini, but then they put like the cheese over it. This one was um had like very light potato cream on it and the tote the bread was just so soft it kind of tasted like hala a bit oh yes uh, and yeah it was absolutely it was absolutely phenomenal um but yeah the, the, that that's not the funny story even though this was so good and the coconut was <laughs> um we asked the bartender we were like um you know we're very adventurous we would love to get any drink that you can conjure up that you think we would like, you know, like we would love a special, like knock yourself out. We were excited about it. Um, and- Was that a good choice? 
So then we got the got got the box. I was like, I'm a pretty adventurous eater. Like I I like to try new things, and like I I I was I was in Peru and I ate guinea pig, and um, I've been in other places and I ate like delicacies that would normally not be eaten here in the U.S. Um, so my friend doesn't, and <laughs> we got our cocktails, and you know she she picks up her cocktail and she sees that there's something crunchy, you know, atop the cocktail. You know, it it kind of makes cocktail looked good and it kind of was a nice plate presentation if you will just with this glass and she picks it up and she's like what and she realizes it's a grasshopper and she screams at the top of her lungs everybody looks at us in this restaurant they're just staring at us these like you know these american tourists like what the <laughs> so loud um and and my friend is like oh my god ew 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 and so obviously she didn't drink her drink i so then i I I drank her drink, and I ate. It was the on purpose, though. What? It, the grasshopper was on purpose. Yes, yeah, it was on purpose. So uh, there will be times in Mexico where, like, there's a certain dish that has grasshoppers in it. It's not super common, but it does happen. Um, just because it can sometimes be a delicacy with certain things. So this grasshopper was intentionally there. I ate the grasshopper, and let me tell you, that grasshopper was actually really good. Like pants. it was. It was crunchy. Yeah, it was a little bit peanutty. It was it was crunchy. It was it was really good. And I, you know, I'm not afraid to say I would have another grasshopper if I was down there and have that on top of my cocktail or in my dish. That's right. And uh, but but I I got it. I got to tell you, I wanted to pace myself for the day, so I didn't finish our cocktail. I was just I was just like, you know what? Like, I guess this one's gonna have to go to like the tour guide or something because like I need to pace. I'm not gonna have a cocktail. <laughs> just your grasshopper. That's a good story. <laughs> Yeah, I, I've, I've eaten grasshoppers. I've eaten mealworms. I've eaten termites. I, um, my university started a university in Kenya, and so we did homestays with some families, and we tried all kinds of stuff. But um, yeah, I mean, I didn't like I eating the mealworms because they're live. That's not great. Well, th this one wasn't. This wasn't live. It was a dead grasshopper. Yeah. Uh, but I I, how did termites? curious about that i mean it's it's not much it's it's i th i think maybe they'll kind of have like a generic peanutty flavor it, it wasn't <laughs> i don't i don't i remember being like the texture is what's getting me the flavor is not repulsive but um it, yeah if i had to i could do it but i would prefer not to eat though i prefer not to eat them if i didn't have to but then i think <laughs> i eat out enough i probably eat all kinds of bugs so <laughs> Well, then we are going to pace ourselves and plan this format in a popular format that you write in for Hotels Above Par. And so I would like to do this one, two, three format that you did. But I realize that we've not actually gotten to your beautiful website. So I'd like to get there real quick. Uh, just take a minute to, to hit your web page up. So let me just go there now. So this is your beautiful website. Um, which I think the picture rotates regularly, but you know if you can just imagine this website with uh, gorgeous hotels and all sorts of things on every single page, that's what this looks like. So I just wanted to get us to hotelsabovepar.com. But for now, why don't we start in this one, two, three format where you introduce the one, two, three format so people also know what to expect when they're on your website. Yeah, absolutely. So. The one, two, three format is our signature hotels above par format for destination guides. And it features one hotel, two places to eat, and three places to visit within a specific locale. 
So we did one on Via de Guadalupe, and um, it was after doing a trip there. And I, before I get into the one, two, three guide, I just want to say that I to get to Via de Guadalupe is perfect because you can do it in a day trip. You know, you can go for the day, you can stay for the night. It's a great weekender from San Diego, Los Angeles, Orange County. Um, and what I recommend doing is parking on one on the U.S. side of the border and then walking over and then having the tour guide meet you there and then drive you for the rest of the day. Um, it's good to be responsible if you are drinking and um, it just have, it's good to have someone drive you the whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, because you know you also want to enjoy your vacation, and also you, a lot. If you don't speak Spanish, it might be hard to navigate, and you want to stay in your route. So, um, Baja tour guide, his name is Eric. Okay. He's absolutely oh, he's the person that I normally use, um, and so he helped us create this one, two, three guide because he is a local to the area. So now let me just break in one second. Um, Will you help, in in your opinion, because I think people are afraid to cross the border. They've heard some stories. And, of course, the horrible stories are the things that get news coverage. In your experience, and since you've done this quite frequently, can you describe, you know, the U.S., the, just the crossing to and the crossing from? What can people expect? Especially now, if we're recommending that they walk, what should they expect in this crossing of the border? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a great question. So you'll be parking on the U.S. side, and there's parking lots where you pay, they're guarded. Um, Once again, it's on the U.S. side, you leave your car there, and you walk from, let's say, this the one parking lot that I always use is about seven, like a five to seven minute walk from the border station. And actually, San Ysidro, Tijuana is the the busiest uh, border crossing in the world. I believe that. Yeah, I believe that that stat is still intact. But um, yeah, at one point, I don't know if it still is, but at one point it definitely was. Um, and what when you walk over to the border, when you go to Mexico, um, you go through this long passageway and then you come into this room um, and there's Mexican customs officers and you fill out a form. I actually think that the COVID precautions were a lot more robust in Mexico than in the U.S. They take your temperature before you come in. They, um, they, they, yeah, they take your temperature. They make sure you're wearing a mask. They sanitize your hands. And in order to pass through, you need to do that. And at a lot of the places we went to, that was the procedure as well. Um, when I went back into the U.S., I didn't need a temperature check or anything. Um, but when I went into Mexico, the Mexican authorities did do that. And they did that forever. So when you get to the other side, there are, um, there's taxis, there are um, private tour, there are the tour guides that you arrange. So like I said, I arranged with Baja tour guide, Eric, um, and he, he picks us up there and he drives us for the rest of the day. I recommend going with one of these tour guides who, you know, have testimonials or all of that, because you, you want to be, you want to have a positive border experience, you know, and just like any bad city, excuse me, just like any major city, you know, there are areas in like the metropolitan Tijuana area that are more crime ridden than others. You don't want to go to those areas. And if you don't know the city, if you don't speak Spanish, that it's a really great choice. It's a really great option 
to hire a private tour guide to take you around because they know where to go. They're going to take you to the great spots, the local spots, the tourist spots, and they're going to help you stay on that route. Mm-hmm. Um, also, as far as safety goes, just don't do anything that you wouldn't do on this side of the border. You know, I think it's important to be a responsible tourist. Yes. Um, you know, don't have, don't consume too much alcohol and do things that you shouldn't be doing. Um, don't, don't don't drink on the street i mean just don't do things that you wouldn't do in the u.s side and you should be fine just be a you know just being a responsible tourist and being aware of your surroundings and having an expert you know really guide you through this experience who's a local is the main recommendations i would give yeah i this is i mean yes okay so i'm glad to hear like this is a somewhat smooth process it's not it shouldn't be intimidating just have good behavior have good manners folks Learn a couple basic phrases, maybe in Spanish. That would be great. And and I always we always like to talk about being a guest, a good guest on this podcast. So be a good guest, whether you're um, you know interacting with animals or humans. Just it's yeah. I just want to. I've been places and seen Americans do things that I just shudder about. And so I'm yeah. Just have good behavior, and you'll be fine. Yeah, absolutely. And I think going to Mexico without that mentality um, is something that's important too. not have this spring break, you know, party, like each get extremely intoxicated. I think that, you know, don't don't do that on your trip to Valle de Guadalupe because it's really about enjoying the culture and the your love of wine and your love of food. You know, it's not it's not a place where people are partying and going clubbing during spring break, which is a Mexico that I think a lot of Americans have in mind. Right. Which is exactly the purpose of this little series that I want to do is to bring to light, I mean, the really the fullness and the richness of what's available in Mexico beyond, you know, the what Yucatan Peninsula type um, vacation, which has wonderful things, which we've also featured in this series that are beyond the resorts. But this is great to be on, you know, the other side of the country, if you will. So then, okay, so let's go for this one, two, three format. Number one, where are we staying? So we're staying at Encuentro Guadalupe, mm. which is this design forward hotel um, that's built into a mountainside. Oh, uh, picture. Let's get to it. Yeah, absolutely. So that's that's Bruma, um, which is the next place I'll be showing. This is Encuentro Guadalupe. So a lot of the rooms are built into boulders. Um, it really, they really use the surrounding landscape. Um, as a blueprint for their architecture. I believe Rihanna stayed there at some point, which is really cool. Uh, And they have these really interesting individual tiny house suites with these gorgeous, gorgeous floor-to-ceiling windows that peer out to the valley and peer out to uh, all the wineries. They have a really cool bar and restaurant. Yes, I love love that shot. they have, I think it really shows the property in a, in a great light and what it really looks like. Um, so it, they have a, a bar and a restaurant where, which is built into the boulder as well. It peers out in the valley and it's um, under the lobby. It's absolutely stunning. They have a really cool um, hidden wine cave uh, that people can get access to. I think you need to arrange it before. And then they have like a table for two there. It's absolutely amazing the hotel is really contemporary it's really upmarket mm-hmm. and mexico is actually it's it's a it is one of the most designed for like i know i keep on saying this but design forward places in the world you have incredible architects blueprinting these different hotels yeah. restaurants homes all around the country and you really see an amazing example of this beautiful 
Mexican contemporary, you know, modern architecture with this hotel. Yeah. And then um, let's talk about, I mean, are, is that what we want to say for number one? Do we want to move on to our two places to dine? Yep, absolutely. I, I think we can go over to uh, the two places to dine. You ready for it? Okay. Yep, I'm ready for it. I'm just going to get now to, are we starting with Bruma? Yes, uh, we will start with Fauna. Fauna? So, Wait. Fauna? Yes? But, so we don't have a picture of Fauna here, but um, Fauna is a amazing, amazing restaurant. I'm going to have to say it's probably one of the best restaurants I've ever been into my been in my life. It's known as one of Mexico's best restaurants as well. Um, it is, you know, farm to table dining and it looks over the valley uh, with all the vineyards. The chef there is David Castro Husong, who is really celebrated. Um, I I had the, I, whenever I go there, I've been there numerous times because I always keep on going back. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they have this lamb dish that they serve with tortillas. It is absolutely phenomenal. The lamb is just braised. It's so good. It just tastes so, it, it, it just tastes so salubrious and it tastes like you, there's really an honesty in that cooking. You know, you know, it came straight from a local ranch or straight from a local farm. They have this broccoli dish, which is like the best broccoli you've ever had in your life. And I know that doesn't sound appealing, but let me <laughs> I was going to say, this is a so, compliment. <laughs> yes, <laughs> definitely. And um, they have a, they have a great uh, dessert menu, and they have this drink called a carujillo, mm-hmm. where um, which is basically a liquor liqueur with uh, coffee. It's really really good, and it's the perfect way to finish off your um, your meal. There's a couple other things in it, but I can't remember off the top of my head exactly what those are. Well, people uh, are just gonna but, have to go and find out for themselves. Or, That's just how that goes. Well, Exactly. People are going to have to go and find out themselves. And trust me, they will absolutely love it. Um, and like I said, the food is incredible. The service in Mexico is phenomenal too. Mm. So, um, and the, also something that I love about the um, garden there is the outdoor area. There's this, there's this place where they have all the plants and the leaves and like all these flowers. They source a lot of their vegetables from that garden that's right next to your table. So you, oh. it, like I said, it goes back to that honest cooking and that farm to table, um, you know, overall entirety that it, it encompasses yeah. so and the next uh restaurant is casa frida which we can okay. show on the yes one we can. flowers boom oh no hold on i pressed the button it, it didn't go there we go it's casa frida so casa frida is very very cool it's definitely a vibe you know if you're looking for that vibe and a place just a kind of a lounge to have a good cocktail, to have a nice meal, you know, the music's pumping. Um, it's a really hit place. And it is, it's, they have about four or five, uh, four restaurants mm. that, um, four individual ones. And they have one that's on this lake and it's built into the li- the riverbed. And so they have these individual dining pods, like where you have to take a passage, that you have to take a passage to all punctuated throughout the riverbed. So it's a really cool, intimate experience. And then one of the restaurants is this beautiful, beautiful space. Uh, it's also a bar where they have paintings of Frida Kahlo, who the um, restaurant is named after. And they have paintings of her, they have mosaics, they have really cool, colorful Mexican art, and they have this beautiful flower wall at the back. And this flower wall is full of as you can see, these beautiful, beautiful, beautiful um, plants and are they fresh? Just, uh, I can't remember if they're fresh, uh, but 
they it were. It looks like they are because those ones in the middle are kind of like a little wilty, like to the you know, to the bottom left of your profile. It looks like they're fresh, and that's amazing. Yeah, it's absolutely stunning. It's the perfect place to get an Instagram if you're into doing something. <laughs> um, it's super. It's stunning, and like I said, it's a vibe. You know, I like ending my day at the Costa Frida when I go to Vida Guadalupe. I like ending my day there and after taking out at the bar and you know experiencing the cocktails uh, and just really soaking up the vibe and the amazing atmosphere that really goes on there with this great. Uh, this great music that plays and just this atmosphere that makes me feel so happy. It makes me feel like, you know, just the, the sense of leisure when you're there. It makes you feel really relaxed and like you're on vacation. Mm -hmm. So really, I love that about Casa Frida. And dish-wise, they have the ceviche, which is absolutely phenomenal. Um, I I'm a, I love ceviche. I mean, yeah. I like all Mexican food. I could eat it every day. Um, but yeah, they have great yeah. Yeah, and then now that I know that it's on a lake, is it walkable? It's a very British thing, and probably, and, and we lived in Germany, they do this also, but, you know, after you, your meal, you might walk, like, to start your digestion kind of a thing, and I really like that. Is it a walkable lake? So it's more, I, I think that lake was probably exaggeration on my part. It's more a pond. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, the Like I said, the you know, these different dining pods are punctuated throughout the riverbed in this pond. Um it's walking wise there with the four restaurants on property i think that it's really cool to check out all of them you won't be around label to walk around the pond but you'll be able to walk around the property and see they have this really cool airbnb that's this like, piercing it's this piercing blue uh stucco that really makes it it's really an ode to you know a lot of the traditional mexican architecture uh, i really i really uh, I love just checking out the space and from the interior design to the exterior walking around the property is as as a great experience if you love design yeah it sounds it's right up my eye my husband will love it too so then are we going to move into our three category now yeah absolutely so this section uh, that we have of the guide is the three places to visit um the first place I want to talk about is El Mirador and this i have to say and you know i'm fortunate i'm really fortunate to have been to several places around the world during you know my time on this earth um i i i've been to greece you know i've been to italy and i've seen amazing coastlines this was truly the most beautiful place at least top three that i've ever been in my life el mirador is um that's a good when, compliment yeah <laughs> definitely and most people don't know about it um it's about an hour and 15 minutes south of the border, right after the beach town of Rosarito, um, and within this preserve before you get to Ensenada, um, right off the toll road, there is this place called, like I said, El Mirador. And it looks exactly like Santorini. It's incredible. There's this coastline with these, these precipices of am amazing just cliffs and beautiful sandy beaches and the water is a little uh, can be really clear on a sunny day it's absolutely stunning and there's nothing on this coastline up and within this view it is completely untouched you're not seeing track houses you're not seeing big resorts it is pure pristine untouched coastline and i think and the people who i've taken there it's one of my favorite places to take people have thought that yes this really does feel like you're in the greek isles um i think it 
I think that it is an extremely underrated place. And like I said, one of the most beautiful places I've ever been. And the lookout point is all these colorful multi-platform kind of decks. Um, so there is an orange area and there's a pink area. And um, it just really is kind of a nice nod to the colorful chromatic tones of Mexico. Awesome. That's so cool. All right. So then what is number two? Yeah. So number two, obviously, Valle de Guadalupe for its amazing wineries and the incredible wine tasting experiences that one can um, partake in when they're there. Let me not uh, skip over my pictures that we have. Did I miss any of the pictures? So close to Tres Cantos is um, the one, this one, exactly. Okay. Um, what's really cool about Close to Tres Cantos is the architecture is Mayan meets medieval France, which is a really interesting <laughs> complex. Yeah, I've never seen anything like it. Um, you know, the space hosts this really amazing, um, these sharp line structures and really cool uh, deserted landscapes. They have a, they have a bunch of furniture there and this furniture so cool is recycled and then they cemented over it just like this chair you see in the picture. And that's, there's that instances of that all throughout the property. I mean, recycled furniture cemented with it bringing on a whole new life and being that cool. Like that's, as a designer, that's something that I'm really, I, I was really fond of. Um, they also have great wine and cheese there. I mean, it is a winery. I love their Rosa del Desierto 2019. That is a great one. Um, the cheese is phenomenal as well. Um, it's a great place just to wine, dine. They have this, the tastings. Um, and yeah, it's, it's it's a really awesome place to go for an hour, two hours, and enjoy the wine and the architecture. So, yeah. I actually looked this place up because I was so fascinated by the furniture, and I just want to know how they do it. It's pretty cool, and I mean it's durable, and I mean it's pretty COVID friendly, right? It's not a plush surface, it's not going to hold the germs, and it just adds this really distinct. Like I've never seen, I've traveled quite extensively. Also, I've never seen anyone do furniture like this. It's cool. Yeah. I've never seen anyone do it like this either. It was just such a um, uh, incredible thing to see. Uh, and I just geeked out with it. I was asking the woman there all these questions. I probably annoyed her about the design. She <laughs> hey, like, what's your wine? And like, you know, get done with this. Um, but, um, but yeah, the, everyone's super friendly. The service was great there. So really recommend it. And if you want to stay there, they have these two beautiful suites, um, which kind of Airbnbs. I don't know if they're in Airbnbs, but they are rentals. And that's kind of a nice option too. It's a uh, really cool cement minimalistic architecture inside. Oh, neat, neat, neat. So that's two. Are we on three? Yes. Three is Bruma Vinicola, which is really, really cool. It's um, this winery. As you can see, it's there's this, this gargantuan tree um, that sticks out of the front. And that's cool winery you walk inside and the whole wine tasting experience is indoor within this glass kind of rotunda and when the middle of that rotunda is this gargantuan tree the roots of this gargantuan tree which is something that is really cool i haven't seen something like that before and so we're inside in this picture so this is this is this is outside but okay. below that tree uh below that this like water level this pond that hosts the tree atop is this circular rotunda below and that circular rotunda is all glass and that the roots of that tree are in the middle wow uh, yeah really really cool um and like i said they have really good wine um it's right next to fauna 
so if you can, I'll be, you can knock out a tour there and then go to Fauna right after for lunch or for a late lunch dinner, whatever you want. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, it's, uh, it's it, it being set around, the tasting room being set around this cool piece of petrified wood um, is something really unique. And like I said, it just, it, it, again, just really speaks to the amazing architecture that not not so many, not a lot of people know about when it comes to Mexico. Yeah, and I feel like just in an effort to build things at, at, you know, in a price point, on a budget, all those sort of things, we lose a lot of this often in people's pursuit of, you know, the, the business is the thought of, you know, what you're building into your business is maybe like the service, it's not necessarily the atmosphere. But I feel like these places you've suggested have really, uh, you know, as you've mentioned, forward thinking that part that part of wanting to be there is this cool design concept. And it feels, I don't know, I feel like I would be like, feel really romantic and, uh, you know, all this sort of, I don't know. It's yeah, not, no. I don't know you how are. to describe it, but I think you might get it. <laughs> well, you should you should definitely go with your husband as a romantic trip. Speaking of romance, it's a very romantic place, and they have a lot of couples offerings at these different places. So if you are looking for a weekender with your significant other, um, whoever's listening to this, I uh, I highly recommend a trip to Valle de Guadalupe. Yeah, so you mentioned Temecula. We're actually going to be in Temecula this summer. My husband is officiating a wedding. So... Oh. Uh, but we booked a little extra time, and I don't know how far of a drive it would be. But um, we were talking about doing some, you know, some side trips, if you will, because this will be our first, you know, first time really traveling a, since have since our transatlantic move, and we'll also have childcare. So. <laughs> oh, amazing! Well, you should go to Valle de Guadalupe with Baja Tour Guide. I um, it, from Temecula, it should be about two hours, oh, two and a half hours. Yeah, it's it, uh, from, from Temecula to the border, it's about an hour. And then from the border to um, Vida Guadalupe, it's about an hour and a half. Oh. Just under two. Mm, we'll have to talk. This is this is interesting. because Yeah, this is exciting. And also, um, you know, I've mentioned this in other podcasts, but you don't probably know this. My husband and I, well, my husband has, because he has family actually on the eastern side of Mexico. Just about half of his family is in Mexico. Um, but I've never been to Mexico, not even to the resort properties uh, so we've always just been pointed to Europe or I've pointed to Africa or England. You know, I've just never, I've never gone that far. So this could be an exciting, just over the border adventure. Yeah, totally. And you can make it a daycation. You can just go for 12 hours during the day if you don't feel like spending the night. So uh, oh. yeah, it's an adventure. Cool. I didn't realize it was that close to Temecula. This is exciting for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, at the end of my podcast, I like to give my guests just kind of a freestyle space where you can do whatever you like, say whatever you like, and if we've missed anything, you're free to include it. So um, that's the point we're at now. So this is your time, Brandon. What would you like to say? Um, well, again, thank you so much for having me on, and thank you to everyone who's listening to this podcast today. Um, definitely follow Hotels Above Par. I'd love to hear from you guys. Uh, we definitely want to you know, further expand our community of hotel and travel enthusiasts and to be able to share my passion each day with other people who have a passion for travel and hotels is incomparable. So um, yeah, definitely keep up with us and Travel Radio uh, 
is an awesome podcast and you've done such a great job, Megan, with all of this. So thank you. Thank you. Thanks for being on the podcast. I hope that we find some way to collaborate again in the future. It's been wonderful to have you and to, you know, share your expertise with the listeners. And again, if you're just listening, you can go ahead onto the YouTube channel and find Brandon's interview there. Okay. This is Megan Chapa, host of Trap. Wait, did you have one more thing? No, I was just going to say gracias. <laughs> gracias. <laughs> Right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Please. All right. This is Megan Chapa, host of Travel Radio Podcast, saying thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. If you want to like, subscribe to mine or Brandon's products, that'd be fantastic. All right. Thanks, everyone. Have a great day. Bye bye. Thanks, everyone. Sharing is caring. Pass along the word to a friend. This and other exceptional podcasts can be found at travmarketmedia.com.